number five. And before we get started, I do want to remind you to pray, <clears throat> keep praying. I know many of you have been for the last uh, several days. Uh, pray for, uh, good to have Miss Barker in church this morning. Of course, uh, her mother passed away uh, recently. They had just had the uh, memorial services this weekend. I hope that you'll continue to pray for her and for the family. And then if you would, uh, continue to pray for Tommy Wade. <clears throat> Tommy was uh, taken down to the hospital or to a Detroit uh, hospital, and uh, he's having some very, very serious health complications. I hope that you'll pray for him. And then I know uh, Brother Sean Lynn, pray for his mother. Uh, uh, she's had some heart issues here in the last couple of days, uh, and I hope that you'll continue to pray for others, others that I had not mentioned, and please forgive me for that. But... Uh, Many, many needs in our church family. I hope that you'll be faithful and uh, do what you can. to. Pray. You know, uh, sometimes we're guilty, and I, and I know I've said it. Sometimes we say, well, all we can do is pray. Can I tell you something? Prayer is one of the best things you can do for anybody. And uh, because when, uh, they, uh, they went, and by the way, demons have to possess something. They have to uh, indwell in a, in a body of some kind. And so they went into a herd of swine. The Bible says about 2,000 swine. We're talking about a whole lot of demons here. And uh, here's this man. He was possessed of demons, and uh, his dwelling, the Bible says, was among the tombs. This is a bad dude here, okay? <laughs> this is not the kind of guy that you want to meet. I was going to say in a dark alley, but you don't want to meet him in any kind of alley or any other place for that matter. Amen. But uh, folks had tried to control him with fetters and chains, but to no avail. I mean, this guy, the Bible says he made his dwelling among the tombs. He ran around, had no clothes on, and he would cut himself, and he would hurt himself. But, but because of the demon possession and the devil possession or whatever, uh, he was oblivious to that physical pain. And he was, a, he was a mess of a man. The Bible says that no man could tame him. They tried to chain him. Didn't work. They tried to handcuff him. Didn't work. They tried to bind him. It didn't work. And this man, his life was a total train wreck. He was out of control. Verse 4 states that neither could any man tame him. Verse 5 says that he cut himself with stones. He was, I mean, he was just, he was, a, uh, he was quite the individual for sure. Kind of reminds me of the story where Dr. Tom Williams uh, many years ago was praying in a hotel room and he said, God, would you let me cross the path of somebody today that I can witness to? That's a good prayer to pray, by the way. And uh, he said no, no, no sooner had he gotten those words out of his mouth in prayer for God to guide him across the path of someone that he could witness to that day, but he heard a big Harley outside of his hotel room. And uh, he went over there, he got up off his knees, went over, picked out the window, and he said there was the biggest, baddest biker dude you've ever seen in your life sitting on a Harley Davidson out there right outside of his room. And he turned around and walked back to his bed where he was praying. He said, Lord, that didn't mean him. <laughs> he said, he's not what I had in mind. Dr. Williams said, you know, I was picturing some little old lady, you know, helping her across the street or something like that. And, and, and here he pulls, up to, <laughs> he pulls up to his hell's angels right outside of my hotel room. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, he said it was as if the Lord said, were you serious about that prayer or weren't you? Uh, long story short, he went out there and he talked to that, that old boy and he got saved that day. <laughs> but, uh, but here Jesus crosses the path of somebody who makes that biker yeah, look, uh, you know, like, look, he was out for a Sunday school picnic. But, uh, but anyway, notice what happened in verse number 6. Notice what happened in verse number 6. Uh, go back to Mark chapter 5 if you have a Bible open in front of you. Mark chapter 5 and uh, in verse number 6, the Bible says, But when he saw Jesus afar off, wow, everything changed. 
when he saw Jesus afar off. Now, keep in mind, people couldn't tame him. They tried to restrain him. They tried to do everything they could to bring him into some kind of subjection in, in, in a civilized manner. <clears throat> None of that worked, but then he saw Jesus. When you see Jesus, it changes everything. The Bible says he saw Jesus, the Son of God, afar off, and it says that he ran and worshipped him. Those demons were no match for the Savior. That legion of devils that he had inside of him were no match for the Son of God. Jesus cast them out of the man, and they entered into a herd of swine. And, and uh, by the way, animal rights activists would have had a field day with that one. <laughs> you talk about you died the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, and then when Jesus cast those demons into a 2,000 you know, that were part of a herd of swine... They, I mean, they, they, Peter would have had a, they had a conniption about that. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, so now we see this man who had been demon-possessed, a literal wreck, naked, cutting himself, crazy, living among the tombs. And now look at verse number 15, Mark chapter 5, verse 15. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Did you see that? The guy who was out of control is now clothed. And by the way, whenever you get right with God, you get clothes on. Uh, I know it's almost summertime and this, has, this is nowhere to be found in my outline, but the spirit is moving. <clears throat> whenever you get right with the Lord, you cover yourself. Amen. Okay. Make sure we're on the same page. Make sure everybody's awake. Uh, but here's this man. The Bible says before he was without clothes, he was running around, he's cutting himself, he was out of control, and now he is sitting, which is unusual for him apparently. And he was clothed, and he was in his right mind. You say, preacher, what program fixed him? It wasn't a program, it was a person. You say, what lifestyle adjustments did he make? Hey, it wasn't a lifestyle adjustment. It was the Son of God. Hey, what new leaf did he turn over? It wasn't a new leaf, friend. It was a relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hey, I'm simply saying, when you really have a personal meeting with Jesus Christ, everything changes. Notice, I think he got it. He came to Jesus in verse 18 and he said, Jesus, can I go with you? He said, can I, can I hang out with you? I know you got these disciples. Can I, can I be with you like these other men are? Notice what Jesus answers to him. Jesus said to this former demoniac, his answer is the premise to the message. In verse number 19, look at it with me if you will. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. This man said, Hey, Jesus, I want to go everywhere with you, and I want to be a walking testimony to everybody that you meet, and say, This man changed my life. Jesus said, I got a better idea. I got a better idea. Go home. Go home and, to thy friends and tell them what great things the Lord hath done for thee. Go home to thy friends. He didn't say, go and be interviewed by the local TV news. He didn't say that. He didn't say, try to get a write-up in the local newspaper about what great things the Lord has done for you. No, he said, go home to thy friends and tell them. He didn't say, go post your story on Facebook, complete with a before and after selfie, and make sure that it makes a huge difference. 
He didn't say that. He said, go home. He said, start with the people that you love the most. Start with the people that know you best. Start with the people who have the same last name as you. Start with the people who live under the roof that you used to live under. Hey, start with those people. You go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. Jesus' instructions were clear. Go home to thy friends and tell them what happened. One of the greatest needs of our day is, to God, uh, is, for, is for God's people to have a testimony at home. One of the greatest needs we have is for God's people to have a testimony of God's goodness with the people that know them best. The saying goes, charity begins at home. It's not only true about charity, but it's also true about your Christianity. Christianity begins at home. You are only as good a Christian as you are with the people that live at your home. We talk a lot about <clears throat> desiring to see revival in our nation and our churches. Boy, that is our heartbeat. That's what we want. And Brother Campbell mentioned it several times. But the truth of the matter is we're never going to see revival in our country. We're never even going to see revival in our churches until we start seeing revival at the place where people know us best. And that is the address where we live. Our home. Both of those things would happen if we would simply live out our faith at home. I simply want to make a few observations this morning from this story about go home to thy friends. Go home to thy friends. Very quickly this morning, we'll be done. Number one, when you're at home, you should be among friends. When you're at home, you should be among friends. In many cases, I'm afraid with the uh, marital and biological relationships that we have at home are missing one important ingredient, and that is this, friendship. Friendship. Let me ask you a question. Are you and your spouse, are you friends? You should be. You should be. <clears throat> hey, that, uh, that woman that you married, fellows, <clears throat> ladies, that, that, that man that you married, and by the way, that's the way that should go too, uh, but the truth of the matter is, that'll be your friend. Your spouse ought to be the best friend you got. Uh, but, but I'm afraid some of the fabric of our homes are being destroyed because it's lacking the one thing that every home needs, and that is friendship. Friendship. Friendship is the glue that bonds our relationships. Your spouse ought to be your best friend. Hey, as your, as your children get older, there ought to be that nurturing of a friendship between you and your children. I understand that the parent-child relationship is a little bit unique in the fact that God has put them into your home to discipline them and, 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 and to build character. We'll talk about a little bit about that tonight. <clears throat> and, and yes, that's necessary and that's needful. But hey, there ought to come a time, especially as your children get older, that there is a nurturing of a friendship between parent and child. Friendship is the bond that supersedes all the relationships. That, that it's the glue that holds all the relationships of life together. Go home to thy friends, Jesus said. One of the saddest verses in all the scripture, one of the saddest verses in all the scriptures is Micah chapter 7, verse number 6. You need not turn to it. I'll quote it for you. The Bible says, For the son dishonoreth the father, the daughter riseth up against her mother, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. What a sad testimony. What a sad testimony. That a man's enemies would be the people who live under his own roof. That's horrible. That's horrible. If you, in fact, I will have you turn back to this passage with me. Go back to the very last chapter of the Old Testament. 
I won't say Malachi chapter 4 because that might be a little bit hard to find. But if you go to Matthew chapter 1 and turn back a page, I want to show you something. Malachi chapter 4, the very last chapter of the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 4, and look at verse number 5 with me if you will. Malachi chapter 4, verse number 5, the last two verses of the Old Testament. The Bible says this, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. That sounds pretty serious to me. Notice the very end of the very tale of the Old Testament. Just before the 400 silent years between the Old and New Testaments, the last thing the Lord says through his prophets says, Hey, I want the hearts of the sons to be turned to their fathers and the hearts of the fathers to be turned to their sons, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And you say, Hey, preacher, does God think that, that, uh, that, that the relationship between mom and dad and children, the relationship to home, are they important? You better believe they are. You better believe they are. Jesus said to this demoniac, this former demoniac, he said, go home to thy friends. Your friends ought to be those who live at your home. I should say those who live in your home ought to be your friends. They ought to be your friends. Hey, your home ought to be a little bit of heaven on earth. What happens inside the four walls of your address, hey, it ought to be sweet. It ought to be blessed. There ought not be the constant bickering and the constant strife and the, and the, and the angst. No, it ought, to be, it ought to be somewhat symbolic of what heaven's going to be like. You ought to have friends at home. Number two, I want you to see this. We ought to have a testimony at home. We ought to have a testimony at home. Thinking about this story, can you imagine what it must have been like when this old boy walked up to the front porch of his house for the first time after he was cleansed? Can you imagine? I'm, I'm going to make the assumption here <clears throat> that his family didn't know what had happened because otherwise Jesus wouldn't have said, go home and tell your family. So on that assumption, <clears throat> here's this old boy. The last time they saw him, you know, they probably drove by the cemetery and they said, don't look. Don't look. We don't want to see him. <laughs> They probably were in the habit of any time he was out running around the neighborhood and causing havoc, <clears throat> they probably didn't even claim this old boy. But can you imagine, imagine with me in your mind's eye, this guy walking up the front steps of his, of, a, of his house, walking on the front porch, and he's dressed sharply. His hair is combed, if you had any. Uh, his, <laughs> he, uh, <clears throat> he, uh, I mean, he, he looks presentable. He's calm, cool, and collected. He's not, uh, he's not, he doesn't have that wild-eyed look that he had the last time his family saw him. And he, he knocks on the door. And someone comes to the door, perhaps it's one of his children. And they open the door. Daddy, is that you? <laughs> is that you? Uh, and they're speechless. They don't know what to say. The last time they saw their dad, the last time the, 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 the wife saw her husband, the last time they had seen him, he was a wild man. He was possessed of devils. And now there's been a great change since he's been born again. Hey, what a testimony. There's something different about him. Hey, if you're saved, there'll be something different about you at home. If you name the name of Jesus Christ, there ought to be a difference in the way you are now versus the way you were then. 
There ought to be something, hey, it ought, to, it ought to affect the way you talk and the way you walk and the way you look and the way you dress and the way you conduct yourself and the way you, you uh, converse with people. There needs to be a difference in God's people and it ought to start at home. Those people that we live with should be the first to witness our transformed life. They ought to be the first ones to witness our transformed life. Notice what Jesus said. He said, uh, go home to thy friends. Let me get back to the text verse. Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord had done for thee. Hey, it ought to be a go and tell testimony. A go and tell testimony. Hey, the people that live in your house, they ought to know there's something different about him. And they ought to know that difference by how you speak. He said, go and tell them. But not only that, it ought to be a go-and-show testimony. Not just a go-and-tell testimony, but a go-and-show testimony. You know, your walk talks and your talk talks. But your walk, how you live, talks louder than your talk. You see, a lot of people have good talk. A lot of people can talk a good game. A lot of people know what they ought to say. They got the right lingo. They know uh, how to converse and how to you know, put on the act, so to speak, and say the right things. But, hey, it's another thing to show it. It's, and, by the way, you need both of them. You need both of them. Your life ought to back up every word that you say. Now, are we perfect? Of course not. Are we going are, are to do everything just right? Of course we won't. But, boy, there ought to be something. There ought to be something in the way that you conduct yourself at home that tells those people that you live, hey, you know what, I'm a child of the king. I'm a child of the king. I'm reminded of the, uh, uh, the instruction that the apostle Paul gave to young Timothy. And uh, he, he talked about uh, ladies whose husbands were unsaved. And the Bible says that, hey, ladies, if you want to win your husband, here's what you do. You win them by your conversation. The word conversation, there's not talking about how you talk. In fact, it, although it sounds like conversation, that's what we equate with the word conversation, how you talk. But no, conversation is talking about a way of life. A way of life. He said to Timothy, he said, you tell those ladies in the church who have husbands that aren't saved, they ought to go home and they ought to be a wonderful wife and they ought to, they'll win them with their chaste conversation. In other words, you live right and you be a good wife and you, and you do what you ought and, and, and you live with that sweet uh, and, and, and meek and quiet spirit and that sweet disposition. Hey, that'll, man, that'll help him right there. He's going to think, man, what's with the transformed wife? What's gotten into her? I'll tell you what it is. It's Jesus. <laughs> it's Jesus. We ought to have a testimony at home. We ought to have our friends uh, ought to be at home. Number three, we ought to speak of God's goodness at home. We ought to speak of God's goodness at home. He said, tell them how great things the Lord had done for thee. He said, go home to your friends and tell them the great things that the Lord, hey, it's not because you're a good guy. It's because he's a good God. Hey, you know what? Our homes ought to be a place where God is bragged on. Our homes ought to be a place <clears throat> where God is glorified. And God's works are magnified. Hey, God did that. You know, and we don't always do a good job with this, I'm sure. But the truth of the matter is, man, when, when, when God blesses us, boy, we ought, to make, we ought to be really quick to make sure he gets the credit for it. Well, I mean, we ought to be fast to say, you know what? Hey, God did that. God helped us with that. God made that possible. God's the one who, and by the way, he is the one that makes all the good things possible. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. The Bible says, hey, if you enjoyed something good today, can I tell you where it came from? God. God. 
And our kids, mom and dad, need to hear parents who glorify God, who give God credit, who give God the credit for our health and the credit for the house in which we live and the car that we drive and, and, and the food that we eat and every good thing that we enjoy. It, we ought to remind our kids often by our testimony, by the praise that comes off of our lips, God's been good to us, kids. God's been good to us. We ought to have a testimony at home. We ought to be at, uh, among friends when we're at home. We ought to speak of God's goodness when we're at home. And then I want you to see number four. Our behavior at home ought to demonstrate the Lord's compassion. Our behavior at home ought to demonstrate the Lord's compassion. Look back at verse 19 with me, if you will, our text verse. Mark chapter 5 and verse number 19. Howbeit how Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord had done for thee. Notice what it says. And have had compassion on thee. And have had compassion on thee. He said, when you get home, tell them about the good thing that God did for you, and tell them about how compassionate I was toward you. Wow. You know what? What Jesus did for this guy was made possible by the fact that he had compassion on him. He didn't see him for what he was. He saw him for what he could be. You see, when Jesus saw this, this old boy and he was cutting himself and he was running around acting crazy and, 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 uh, and just, you know, just possessed with these devils and all kinds of wild and woolly things, well, he could have said, you know what? I'm leaving him alone. Aren't you glad that God doesn't see you for what you are, but he sees you for what you could be? Hey, aren't you glad that, hey, I don't know what your testimony is necessarily, but before you got saved, before there was that great transformation, aren't you glad that there was a God in heaven who had compassion on you? Can I tell you something? The Bible says, but for his compassion, we'd be consumed. But for his compassions, we would be consumed. Hey, if I got what I deserve this morning, I'd be in hell. That's my testimony. And the truth is, if you got what you deserve this morning, if you'd be honest, hey, <clears throat> hell's what we all deserve. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life. Hey, I'm simply saying, <clears throat> but for the compassions of our Savior. But for the compassions of our Savior. What a God we serve. Hey, you know what? Our behavior at home ought to demonstrate the Lord's compassion. We ought to be compassionate at home. Compassionate at home. Hey, are there times when we've got to enforce the rules? Oh, absolutely. Are there times when we, when we need to, to make sure that discipline is meted out and, 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 that, uh, and, and we're trying to help our children with those things? And, but, oh, absolutely, but you know what? There ought to be compassion, too. Hey, Mom and Dad, <clears throat> why don't we exercise that same line of thinking? You know... God didn't see us for what we were. He saw us for what we could be. Why don't we pass it on to our children? You understand something? God put those kids in your home, and boy, we ought, to, we ought to see their potential. Hey, we ought to see the potential of our spouse. We ought, to, we ought to have compassion on our spouse, on our mate. We ought to have compassion on our kids. We ought to not just see, oh, yeah, I understand. Hey, man, they'll push you to your limit sometime. I understand that. Every parent knows what, that all, what that's all about. Uh, every parent here understands, you know, there, there, there's just those days. You know what I'm saying? There's just those days. I remember one time my dad came home, and I, apparently I had been a jerk. At least that's what my mom said. <laughs> but, uh, and uh, whenever my mom said to my dad, you need to talk to your son. 
To parse that out for you and interpret that, <coughs> that means <laughs> he's been horrible today. <laughs> you need to have a talk with your son. Now, when I was an angel, my mom claimed me. But those days were few and far between, okay? <laughs> but, but the truth of the matter is, you know what? <clears throat> My dad, he was, a, he was a very firm disciplinarian, but he was also compassionate. He was also compassionate. I love the verse over in the book of Psalms, I believe it is, where the, the psalmist said, thy, thy gentleness hath made me great. Thy gentleness hath made me great. Hey, aren't you glad God doesn't give us what we deserve? Aren't you glad that we have a patient God? Aren't you glad that though God is just and God is righteous and God is holy and God will never, he will never violate his holiness, he'll never violate his justice, he'll never violate his righteousness, but that same God who is righteous and just and holy, there's another side of God that's compassionate and loving. And he's a God that says, you know what, you blew it, but let's start all over again. Let's start all over again. Hey, we ought to be compassionate at home. Our behavior at home ought to demonstrate the Lord's compassion. Furthermore, we who have been given firsthand recipients of the grace and mercy of God ought to go home and be gracious and merciful with those with whom we, that we love the most. We ought to be merciful with those that we love the most. Let me show you the last thing. We're done. I hasten. Everyone in the home should have salvation in common. Everyone in the home should have salvation in common. In common, I said, number one, that our friends ought to be those who live with us at home. I said, number two, we ought to have a testimony at home. Number three, we ought to speak of God's goodness at home. Number four, our behavior should demonstrate the Lord's compassion at home. But the last thing, and I'll close with this, everyone in the home should have salvation in common. When that old boy got to the front porch and knocked on the door and he went inside and reintroduced himself to his family, I can imagine the conversation that day around the dinner table. Hey! <laughs> they said, what, what's different? What happened? Yeah, I mean, you were, <laughs> Daddy, I hate to say this, but you were a lunatic. <laughs> Your kids ever tell you that? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Dad, I hate to say this, but your life was a train wreck. I mean, the last time we saw you, you were cutting yourself, and man, you were, I mean, not to be rude or anything, but you didn't have any clothes on, and, and, and man, you were, you were just... You were a bad dude. <laughs> what happened? And he said, kids, let me tell you, I met Jesus. <laughs> I saw the Son of Man, I saw the Son of God, and I went, and I knew those demons inside of me had no control over him in compared to what that man could do for me. And I fell on my face, and I worshipped him, and, and he took care of me, kids. He took care of me, and he, he, he cast the demons out of me. Man, you should have seen it. He cast them into a herd of swine, and they ran down a steep hill and drowned themselves in the, in the lake. Don't tell the animal rights people. But, but that's what happened. And I, I, that's all I know. It's unbelievable what Jesus did for me. And you know what? It's unbelievable what Jesus can do for you, kids. Honey, it's unbelievable what Jesus can do for you. Oh, you're not demon-possessed, and you don't have all the issues that I have, but you know what? We're all born sinners. We're all born sinners. You know, I can imagine the conversation that day, but the foundation of every home ought to be a relationship with Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. Everybody listen to me and look at me carefully. His relationship with Christ could not transfer as their relationship with Christ. Those kids had to have their own relationship with Christ. 
No, they weren't demon-possessed necessarily. No, they weren't lunatic necessarily. But they had to know Christ for themselves. His wife, she was probably a really good lady to have put up with him for all those years. But the truth is, the relationship of what Jesus did for him when he cast out those demons and saved him, hey, that wasn't good enough for her. She had to have it for herself. One of the most tragic things that I can think of is having a broken circle in heaven. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? When I was a child, I heard my grandfather sing a song. I can't sing it for you. I don't even know all the words to it, but it goes something like this. The words are, will the circle be unbroken? By and by, Lord, by and by. You say, what circle is that? Talking about your family circle. You see, the dad can't get saved from mama. And mama can't get saved for her children. No, you gotta, you got to have a relationship with Christ for yourself. As good as, as good as what Jesus did for that demoniac, a, 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 of all the wonderful things that he accomplished in the life of that one man whose life was totally transformed, guess what? That transformation didn't carry over to the other people in the family. They had to have a relationship with Christ for themselves. And if you're here this morning and you're depending on your dad's religion to take you to heaven, it won't work. If you're here this morning, you say, hey, my mom was a good woman. She's a wonderful lady, and perhaps your mother's already gone on to be with the Lord. And you say, oh, she was, she was a fine Christian woman. Maybe she was, but that doesn't make you a Christian because your mama was a Christian. Because your daddy was saved, that doesn't get you one inch closer to heaven. You've got to know Christ for yourself. Everyone in the home should have a salvation, have salvation in common. How about it with you this morning? Are you saved? I didn't ask you if your, if your dad was saved. Are you saved? Are you going to heaven? Do you know for sure that if you were to die today, you would spend eternity in heaven with your loved ones? Will the circle be unbroken? Will the circle be unbroken? <clears throat> you know, I'm looking forward to heaven. I don't necessarily want to go today unless we all go together, amen? <laughs> but uh, I'm looking forward to heaven. And one of the things that I look forward about heaven is having the whole family there. Having the whole family there. The unbroken circle. But hey, the circle will only be unbroken if every member of the family has that relationship with Christ. you got to have it for yourself. you got to have it for yourself. Has there been a time in your life, I'm talking to you as an individual, I want you to imagine just you and I speaking in conversation. Has there been a time in your life when you trusted Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior? Because if, that, if you haven't had that, then the circle's broken. The circle's broken. There's no heaven for you unless you know Christ for yourself. Someone cannot do it for you vicariously. Someone can't substitute. You, know, you, you can't ride your mom's coattails to heaven. You can't ride your dad's coattails to heaven. No, you've got to be saved for you. You've got to know Christ for yourself. Hey, I can't do it for you. The church can't do it for you. You've got to know Jesus Christ for you. Can you honestly say that? Can you point back to a time in your life when you trusted Christ and him alone for salvation? Jesus said, go home to thy friends. Go home to thy friends. I want homes at the Lake Crest Baptist Church to be strengthened. I want, you to, I want your home to be a little bit of heaven on earth. And for those of you who aren't, aren't saved, if you trust Christ as your Savior, guess what? In heaven, your circle may be unbroken. But you've got to know Christ for you. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Every head bowed, every eyes closed.